Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You know what, Sai? I think to myself, how does Scott Tailford always start these podcasts? Does he have some well-thought-out introduction where he says that who we are and how uh, we form the UBP, the UBP, the UBP, or does he just launch straight in like I'm doing now? Yes, that's right. Welcome to the Untitled Banter Podcast. My name is Jules Gillen. I'm joined by the wonderful and always charming Sai. How are you doing, Sai, today? I'm good. I've got whiplash now. We were just having a normal conversation and then suddenly, bam, we're in. <laughs> Every single week. It never gets easier. Scott does this to me. He'll just be like, oh, what do you think of like this new tax policy? And I'll start giving up like, my diatribe. And then all of a sudden he'll just be like, boom, UBP. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. thankfully, no. though, we've got these uh, lovely people out there, the wonderful listeners of the UBP, the Untitled Banter podcast, who sometimes do us delicious memes highlighting the fact that we have no introduction. And it is absolutely Hilarious. But for those new to the show and those not in the know, what we do is we gather all of the questions that we've asked for over the week, gaming, food related, film, TV or otherwise, and we just answer at least three because we are wafflers, professional wafflers. I'm so excited to be doing this with you today, Si, because not only has last night been a tumultuous affair, which we'll start by just saying E3 is mm. dead. Mm. <laughs> we'll discuss that in a minute. Um, but also, the Resident Evil 4 remake is doing the rounds at the moment, and you are a huge lover of the Resident Evil franchise. In fact, you host a podcast called the First Aid Spray Podcast. Plug, 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 plug. Go check it out. And you have an, a plethora of knowledge on Las Plagas and otherwise. So, uh, yeah, are you uh, feeling it, as it were? Are you feeling it, Mr. Krabs, when it comes to... Um, <laughs> I'm really feeling it, as uh, Shulk would say from Xenoblade. Yeah, it's a good time to be a Resident Evil fan, so I'm looking forward to digging into that. The E3 thing, though, what a time for that announcement to come last night. Do you know what the funny thing is, is that Scott and I were saying a couple of weeks ago, just like 2023 feels like the emergence point of gaming again. Like everyone's come mm. out from the shadows. You know, the COVID stuff is still lingering, but at least it's a distant view in the mirror now. And yet we now have the biggest or was the biggest gaming event of the entire year has now gone. So gaming has suffered quite a massive blow with this, really. It's quite sad. Yeah, it's one of those things where it sort of depends on when you would have said to me, E3 is going to die. Because if you'd have gone back how many years, it would be like, no, never. It'll be rocking around forever, man. Yeah. But it it feels inevitable. It has felt inevitable for a number of weeks now. At the very least. Yeah, I think it's because loads of uh, the developers and publishers decided to host their own events. And the moment that they went and took them from physical spaces to just online demos and presentations, you cut the costs down uh, massively. I was telling Scott this before. I used to work in marketing and sales and we'd go 
to like trade events and they mm. then were charging this is like back in 2016 around that time maybe even earlier than 2014 they were charging uh, 1500 pounds per square meter of floor space in the I think it was uh, the oh god, it was, it was a London event place, Earls Earls Court. Is that what it was? Yeah, and it was one thousand five hundred pounds or thereabouts per square meter, and we had to take. <laughs> and the minimum, the minimum was uh, three by six. So you you, you uh, and that was for a three day event, and that was every day. So you had your costs of just being there, That's taking insane. up space. It's insane, yeah. And they just did it because they were like, where else are you going to go? Mm. They used it as a kind of like cornering tactic to just be like well if you don't market here where are you going to market and mm -hmm. that was e3's policies because i've had stories of people saying that it was nearly a hundred thousand dollars to get a booth uh, for some of the larger or even middling sized ones and maybe that's a lowball figure maybe there's some people who went to e3 who know bigger facts than that uh, and that is an extortionate amount of money just to be there so when they were just like, well, we don't have to be here. We can go online yeah. for free, effectively. Why wouldn't you take that? Yeah, it's... I, I don't know much about the Game Awards. I assume there is, like, a show floor. I just yeah, tune yeah, in yeah, and yeah. watch. It's, it's very small, yeah. It's right. So, basically, that's kind of, like, all those cost cuttings and also a space to hold those trailers, to have those big announcements mm -hmm. where everyone is watching. So... Yeah, like, of course it makes sense that that's overtaken E3 now. It's a strange thing, but it, it is what it is. Like, I, it makes sense. I, I wonder as well, like, public perception of it. E3, I believe, kind of got associated more and more and more with the negative side of gaming. I'm not saying that that is entirely true, but I know that there was, like, it's where the NFTs pop were popularized. It's where this was popular. It's oh, like, right. It feels like it was the, the birthing ground of all of the bad stuff because it's where industry, because they have it the day before the event opened, to the public it's all for the sort of wheelers mm. and dealers and dell boys who go around carting there let's make money off these whales doing this practice and i think that when they started leaking those presentations and when uh little like notes came out of that people were like oh this is quite a greasy practice whereas the game awards it's the celebratory event it is literally about awarding games for greatness yeah that's very true i guess also, to be fair, E3 has been around long enough now that it's going to have a history that includes bad spots and bad memories yeah. and bad juju. So, I don't know. It's a strange one because, as I say, it, it feels like it, at one point it wouldn't have been possible, but it's just gotten worse and worse over the years. And I think... Do you think E3 is dead, dead? Like, I mean, we know it's cancelled for this year. Do you think this is it? I mean, I don't see how you come back from this. As terms of like a public perception, you just go, if like, everyone around the world is using the hashtag E3 is dead, like mm. how do you come back from that saying, like unless you go the I lived bitch, uh, like meme thing, that is the, the only way you can get around that. And I just don't think that that's possible for an industry juggernaut like this to turn it around. You are, it's, it, it's, it's not even a bowing out gracefully thing either. It's just like, there was not sustained interest. That is the party line. How do you come back from that? Mm. Like, yes, there was. Like, no, like you're done. Yeah, somebody, I mean, everyone out there, just remember which episode Jules predicted that when a few years they do turn it back around somehow. <laughs> uh. yeah, I'll be, they'll be like that, um, what's it called, the Arrested Development thing, like, oh, yeah, I said this and there it is. Like, and there it is. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, E3, as I say, it's got such a long history. It's a really strong brand name. So it is possible they could do something with it, transform it into something else, or just make it a smaller thing. Make it like your standard convention, EGX. Just a, you get to play a few games early, but no big presentations. I feel like they could maybe live off that for a while, but it's in terms of what E3 was. I, I agree that I don't think it's coming back.
you're right, it maybe could come back in a different form. And worryingly enough, you know who probably will put in a lot of money to buy that? The people who bought Atari. Remember that? It was just like, hey, look, Atari's still got some name brand value. We'll buy it up and churn out this terrible stuff. Like, oh, no. <laughs> it could just be that. Like, it could be E3 turns into NFT3, where oh, it basically God. just becomes like the next sort of like big wankers conversation. Like, it's just like... <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, then uh, it's definitely dead, right? After that, yeah, like, they'll give it, it one last... Money. <laughs> right, yeah. They'll give it one last gasp, at least. I think it's not like they're going to go, well, it's cancelled, it's done. I think they're going to try something with it, whether or not that pans out. Yeah. Depends on what they come up with, I guess. If they went fully online, if they said, like, look, we're just for a year, we're just going to go fully online, and it's going to be, um, like, you, there's no floor space to market on, and the costs get cut to draw s- uh, sponsors and people back in, maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe it's rather mm. than fight the inevitability of a non-tangential future, they actually embrace it and just say, look, we'll give it a go. Maybe, but then what's the difference between your state of play and your Nintendo Direct going off somewhere else <laughs> rather than on the E3 online channels? Like, what do those companies have to gain for doing that? Like, Well, so... you'll just hope that they don't ask those questions. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's exactly what I would do if I was in their situation. You just go, and moving swiftly yeah, on. <laughs> just flutter your eyelids at them and hope it goes well, yeah. And speaking of fluttering, we have done enough warbling over here uh, for the birds. So let's go over to the questions submitted by the lovely people who watch or listen to this show. And we're going to start with the biggest of all ledges, Pinky, who says, Massive welcome to sight. It is a pleasure to have you on the pod. I am even older than Jules. Didn't think that that was possible. And have never played a Resident Evil game. Zombie games make me crap my pants faster than a questionable fart after too many protein shakes. If I were to woman up, where would I start? So that is the question. Amazing. Is, like, where to begin with Resident Evil? I mean, you could say at the beginning, obviously, but maybe there is a better way to introduce people because the mechanics of the first Resident Evil, Evil game, they don't necessarily translate all that well to the modern gaming audience. What do you think? Yeah, they are. And I don't think it's... I'm kind of a defender of the uh, the tank controls and fixed camera. Surprise, oh, surprise. Um, but... I think it is one of those things where it's a genre that's just not popular and it's not around, so people aren't used to it. So you jump in, so it is, ah, what is this thing? Um, (laughs) It's scary for all the wrong reasons in that sense, isn't it? Like, I can't control him. Yeah, exactly. There are a lot of other things to be afraid of other than the zombies. Um, But Resident Evil's weird, and because it's been around so long, it's had several soft resets, Mm -hmm. and a lot of its stories are fairly well self-contained. So there are definitely points to jump in. Like, it really depends on what you're looking for. Four and seven are both really good jumping in points. Oh, the four remake is... Like, that we, is we're probably this. the answer, isn't it? Yeah. I, think. I know. The thing is, is that we were saying yesterday how much fun we were having with this game. And in terms of accessibility for gunplay, control scheme, the, the fact that you can craft on the fly, the fact that you have got more defensive options than any, uh, any other game, it is the mo- most approachable because... It's just the best of the best at this point. Mm. And it's it's really hard to find fault with what it's aiming to do and how it achieves those goals. I just wonder if maybe it's not the scariest game. So, like, should you jump in with the scariest game? I mean, Pinky says that they're going to obviously crap their pants if they go on the scariest. So maybe Resident Evil 4 remakes dialed back on the horror more on the action. Maybe oh, that absolutely. is a better place to start. I think from there you can almost figure out yourself where you want to go right that's a good sort of litmus test it's like okay that wasn't too spooky i'm going to try mm. 
Resident Evil 2 remake, which is similar but a lot spookier. Or oh, if you it's go, very scary that game. Yeah, it's very <laughs> scary. So like that would be your lead up, or you could play some of the more action games like Five yeah. or Six if you really want. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh God, you know, it's, it's, it's an option <laughs> yeah it is definitely a choice um i think that the it's weird isn't it because resident evil's got so many styles of gameplay it's always a franchise that's been mm. known for innovation that maybe i would recommend to newcomers starting at the newest games and working backwards so that you get to appreciate it more that more and more that you go on although you will be losing features as you do so mm. you go resident evil 4 remake Village, definitely, I think is worth playing because it's a big departure from it, but it's still action, comedy action, like body horror, silliness over the top. Then I'd say, I'm basically, I'm ranking it in terms of the least scary games at this moment, I realise. Then maybe go five, bring in a partner if you can, to get you through this scary pseudo bits that are there. Yeah, that game would probably be still, if you've never played it before, the game's probably still fun if you've got someone to play it with. Maybe Solo might be a bit tougher to get through at this point because it is, what, 14, 15 years old? Yeah, um, it's so, showing yeah, its age got, in the AI department. <laughs> absolutely. So if you've got a friend to play it with, RE5 is definitely good fun still. Well, I played it um, a long time ago on stream here at What Culture with uh, Kirsten, and I had the time of my life. I probably never enjoyed that game as much as I did playing in front of other people with somebody else who wasn't super familiar with the franchise. Mm. That really was a super fun ride. Um, after that, do you know what? I'm going to give it... I'm actually one of the defenders of Resident Evil 3's remake. It's do nowhere near as good. Nowhere near as good as Resident Evil 2. But in terms of like its lesser scary factor, more action stuff, and it's never boring. You can oh, never yeah. fault it for that. So I'd say... And it's a short runtime as well, Pinky. So maybe that would be a good one as well. So there's a, there's a handful of games out there. Oh, yeah. And also, there's ones to avoid, surely. Uh, Umbrella Chronicles. Get in the bin. Uh, no, right. no, so, not, no, look. There's a difference between Umbrella Chronicles and Umbrella Core. That is oh. the one. That's the one that you kick into space. That's that, the one where it's the you have to retract, uh, extract all of the, um, the 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 vials. Is that correct? Where you play as like the special ops people? Yeah, it's honestly, it's barely a game. Yeah, I, I <laughs> can't even remember what it's about. It's that like it's out not, of my brain. It's not really about anything. It's about Capcom trying to make a multiplayer online. FPS. Well, was it FPS? Yeah, I think it was. It was like a weird... Oh, know. yeah, it was odd. It, it was, was odd. Wild. It's awful. You will play it for five minutes immediately recognise why everyone disowns it. It's terrible. It is probably the worst game in the entire franchise, and that Easily. is saying something there. Yeah. <laughs> but there we go, uh, Pinky. A few games to help you start there. Now let's go over to... Oh, actually, we had an E3 question from Nate the Gamer. With so many publishers pulling out of E3, is E3 dead, and do you even think we're getting an E3 this year? So there we go. We've actually kind of answered that already. So we'll move swiftly on to the Honest NPC, who says, with the death of live service games, what is the next big thing for publishers to keep gamers locked in? Is it the future of Assassin's Creed style hub world where you can access a series single and multiplayer and of course cosmetic store in one area and also stay awesome thank you very much for that question it's a tough one how do you keep gamers hooked in this modern era when their dopamine receptors are absolutely fried by seven seconds of tiktoks like i, I don't know i don't know it's a yeah it is they'll figure something out i mean that's what they're i'd say good at i don't know if that's necessarily the right term but that's definitely what they think about more than i mean the nice answer would be to say quality games. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> you know, that's not the world we live in. You have to have some cynicism with dealing with these people. Oh, I don't play apple. a lot of Assassin's Creed, so I can't speak to that specific example. That description, Splatoon does something similar. Where oh, it's it like does, a, yeah. 
that's what it made me think of. Or, or maybe PlayStation Home weirdly came to oh, mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that will come back, but I don't know. I think the more the pro- and I know you guys have talked about this, and this is more like a side tangent. But the more pressing concern is, I think all these people are going to start looking at AI before anything else. And how oh, can we utilize AI? Like AI, AI because, and gaming. Because there's still people out there that. And whatever, it depends on the game, maybe, and your personal preference that will chastise games for not having enough content. And AI is the easy fix for all of that, because you can just pump it out. Here's a new weapon skin every five seconds. <laughs> wow, that's... Because uh, the thing is, I only have remember recently reading about Ubisoft saying that they were going to get NPC dialogue written yes. by AI, and I thought that was a terrible idea, because it's like, hello, fellow human, would you like to human a human? It's like not the thing I'm going for. But in terms of mission generation... Like, right, like, a side, like a, a side quest generator, you could have infinite replayability. And mm. actually, it could be quite varied because I, I've been messing around with ChatGPT myself mm. just to see what it can and can't do in terms of like um, generating content that I feel interesting. And I've used it mainly for, because I do Live and Let's Dice, I do a lot of like Warhammer and Battle Report stuff over there as well. So I wrote, write me a custom mission for Warhammer using these parameters with the names of these people in it and write me an intro blurb at it. And I went through it. I did one refresh on it saying, write this in a more relaxed style. And I tell you, I was genuinely impressed with what it came out with because it was a custom mission that I was looking around. I hadn't seen anyone else like popularized using. I couldn't find it in any of my recent memory banks banks of mission things. It made a lot of sense. It seemed really fun. And the intro blurb was not only law friendly, but it was actually very funny because I'd, I'd added in a few like sprinkles like he's using this thing that's to do that. And I was like, okay, if this was applied to video games, this could be very cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a weird one because it's it is exciting but also terrifying of oh, course because yeah. <laughs> of the human aspect to it. There, we, I know we talked about this a lot the other week when we were hanging out, like AI, and we're still quite early days. It feels like everyone stopped talking about it a little bit. Mm, like it's died mm. down in terms of the art thing, but video games we haven't even seen what they could potentially do with that. Not just writing side quests to be added in, but probably. An AI that can program them in for you, which is... Yeah, just... worst thing, it would just be a case of, like, you take what it's just written and say, now write this for the game. Yeah, like... <laughs> it would, you would teach it to understand the code of the engine and the game, and it would just plonk it in, and be, there you go. It's Which is horrific. <laughs> but, it, but it's also, a, like, I know that it's horrific, but if you're looking at it from a scientific or the experimentation side, it's absolutely. fascinating. It's the... so amazing. The first game that does that and goes, right, here's our first DLC completely written by an AI. It's going to do gangbusters because people will want to experience it and yeah. see what it's like. Yeah. And at very least, people are going to tune in to watch it if they don't buy it themselves because it's so intriguing. It's so new and fresh and awful, I should point out <laughs> repeatedly. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to cost real people their jobs. Like, there is no way around this because if you are a scripter, if you are a writer, if you are this, your job will be lessened significantly mm-hmm. by something that can automate a, a billion times quicker than you can and let's face it i don't think that a lot of publishers or developing developers definitely actually the publishers care about originality they will just go like look this works this is what people want make more of it and i don't care if your side quest is sweep 10 dust piles from the room using the broom of destiny that will work and do it a million times over like it's not original but people Mm. will do it and i think that that is how you're going to get people locked in because the live service model it died on its ass because people didn't have the foresight to see 
that COVID wouldn't last forever, no matter what situation right. the world found itself in. Because Life Service came out as a whole, like, you have time to spend all your life playing this because you are at home, furloughed otherwise. Now people are going back to work or getting back into uh, real life there has been a significant dip in people online gaming because they're just not around all the time. Mm -hmm. And so live service people are like, well, why didn't we see this coming? People can't spend their entire lives dedicated to one game. It's like, no, you idiot, <laughs> because that's it was never sustainable in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty crazy now. Obviously, we've got games that have been out like a year that are done. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then that's it. And you'll never go back to play them again. So celebrate that hopefully, in theory, this is the end of that kind of situation. Yeah. But I suppose dread what comes next. <laughs> yeah. The dawn of the AI is approaching. and One, one as... door closes and a worse one opens. Oh, man. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, allow just a... A game that had that as its core mechanic that didn't even try to hide it, that was yeah. just basically, like, it's called, I don't know, Infinity. And you literally just type in the game you want to play and it will make it for you. Like mm -hmm. within a sort of subset of like, like imagine as well going forward, asset flip stuff was already a problem. If you're going to then find or program an AI to do and search out those assets to turn into basic video games, the, st the Steam store page is going to be an ungodly swamp oh yeah yeah like you will not be able to navigate it and if you add in that the factor that there are way too many video games out there for people to ever play in their lifetime and too much choice crippling the idea of the player being able to actually find a functional game that they want to uh invest time into we may be entering into a spiral situation where you can never find the game you want to play they will get buried the industry will have the ass fall out from underneath it and where do we go from there? That's the that's the doomsday prophecy version of of AI. I don't want to think that too far ahead, but it's very easy to visualize that, like like Train Simulator, right, where the Steam page has got endless oh. pages of DLC. That'll be every game. That'll be every page on Steam. Will just be thousands of things, and you don't know yeah. what's what, and you just. Like, you know what? None of it. I'm, I've got my Game Boy Advance. I'll just, <laughs> you know. Side, side tangent. I was um, uh, talking to somebody about doing a competition and they had an idea of doing a supermarket sweep style thing where you could just go to the store page <laughs> and you basically put everything in your basket in under a minute and you got to keep whatever you did. Amazing. And I was, like, I was like, if somebody was smart about that, they could game the hell out of that system by going to the train simulators things because each one of those trains is like 50 quid. <laughs> like you put like a hundred of those in just to add all. Yeah. and there's like a thousand of them you I was just gonna go like, say like, thank you for thank you for that five grand <laughs> right i don't use steam a whole lot i'm a console gamer of a pc gamer but like there's surely a everything button at the top <laughs> yeah, of most right. games so just locate hey, all of those you just get an ai script to write it for you add all <laughs> add all dlc from this game to my basket blah 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 yep. done but yeah there we go uh, welcome to the terrifying future honest npc uh, and to be honest your name implies as well that you may indeed be an ai yourself so you very be... honest very i honest. know right i know you you can trust me <laughs> hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates Fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so we're going to go now to... um, Let's go to... We're going to go back to another um, Resident Evil question because I did ask for a more Resident Evil tone stuff, knowing that you'd be on the pod and also the fact that uh, Resident Evil 4 is doing gangbusters. So we're going to go to jwright.pt who says, UBP, UBP, hope you're both well. Although I'm loving the RE4 remake, I do miss the campiness of the original. If they decide to remake either 1, 5, or 6, which part would you like them to keep unchanged? For me, punching the boulder should be untouched. I am right there with you. In fact, two boulders, let's double it. (laughs) Yeah, the the boulder thing, it actually really reminds me of the original Resident Evil 4, the cheesiest, campiest opening, not opening line, but like when the title comes up and Leon looks around and he goes, where's everyone going? Bingo. (laughs) Which is utterly stupid. But we at First Aid Spray talked a lot about how, wow, they're changing the tone of this game. I don't think they can change that line though because it's legendarily stupid and everyone loves it. And of course they didn't. It's the same thing with the boulder. You, it's such a meme. You can't get. If anything, they need to put more cameras on it and make it really intense. <laughs> yeah. Like it need, they need to really hone in on that. Be like, because this. at this, because at this point in the boss battle, obviously Wesker's like giving you. Uh, he's, he's spouting absolute nonsense. He's turned into whatever monstrosity he's turned into, and he's just giving it the beans. Now, obviously, Chris has got to get to Sheva, or Sheva's got to get to Chris, depending on which one you're playing as. And you've got to punch... No, actually, no, it is definitely a Chris segment, that, isn't it? Because yeah, it is Chris, like, anyway, yeah. yeah. So, so you punch the boulder, knock it in, and you use that to get across the gap, the boss right? fight, yeah. It needs to now be dialed up so that he punches the boulder and it slams into Wesker, and that <laughs> looks like it's the thing that kills him, but it's a fake-out, and then he pushes the boulder away, like, you thought that would stop me? Yeah, that's, like, rips that's the, the winner. boulder in half. <laughs> oh, because then you've got the meme gif of that, of him ripping the boulder in half, and that's another one, because you just go, you've dialed it up from Chris punching the boulder with his monstrous meat arms, and then you've got a new one of Wesker said, nah, I'm not having any of that. <laughs> I think that is probably the moment that has to stay yeah. out of all of those three games. That is the best one. So, 
Good I mean, we've also got uh, the other options that uh, Jay Wright said was one, five, or six. So we've covered five. What moment from one? If they were to remake a remake, what would you want them to get? Because, I mean, the, the Jill Sandwich one obviously got to stay. But if we're talking like a moment that was iconic within Resident Evil 1, what would you reckon you'd want to stay? That's really hard because nothing stands out quite to the degree. Not that there isn't iconic moments, but nothing is the boulder punch moment. Mm, the thing for mm. me, for them to retain, is the thing that they added to the remake over the original, which is the Lisa Trevor stuff. Like they need that to, was great. I loved the, that. I mean, that makes such a difference where like, if you go back and play the original PlayStation version, you know, other than the fact that it's obviously very aged by this point, that bit feels like, like where's this? It should have been here all along. It feels yeah. like it should have been part of the game. So it's important for me to that that they get that right specifically. Mm-hmm. I think that if anything, I would like it to be expanded upon, like maybe yes. even <clears throat> with some flashback segments that show. Lisa's family being tortured, coerced in order to do what she has to do, or even just more of a segment of showing the experimentations that went on. Mm. Like even just like if it was as simple as finding rooms within the mansion or the um, the underground facility that were the research test centers for her. So you would get to see even more of the pain that she went right. through because There's... as a character, she is such a great driving force for why you should hate Umbrella. Yes, a kidnapped child that has just had a cocktail of experiments put into them, separated from their mother as well, no less, who gets the same treatment, that it doesn't go well and they just kind of dump the mother's body. That's the thing they could probably add in, some more diaries from the mother or some mm-hmm, kind of evidence mm-hmm. of what happened to her um, to really, yeah, just wrap that family story up in a nice, horrible bow. I also really like the fact that you never defeat her. Like, she just goes, I've had enough. Like, I'm just jumping off into the darkness. Peace out. And I love that because it's like, okay, that is a horrifying image that Mm. we couldn't actually beat her. And it was effectively like, we just bought ourselves some time and luckily things just happened to work out for the best. Mm. If they expanded on that in in the remake of the remake, when you go down into the sewer sections later on, being hunted down by her again could be very interesting indeed. Another segment, just add more Lisa Trevor in. Make it the Trevor Chronicles. <laughs> I'd be up for that. Um, I'd also love it if Itchy Tasty stayed. That's oh, got to oh stay. yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, good point. I feel like if you take that out, you are missing out on a ton of uh, banterous moments from Resident Evil 1. Now, Resident Evil 6... That's a tough one for me because I'm going to say that I want to cut stuff. <laughs> I definitely want stuff to go from that rather than stay. A lot of it, in fact. <laughs> what would you uh, want to keep from Resident Evil 6, that great game? I So I so I don't despise it quite as much as everyone. Like It's bad. Of course it's bad. <laughs> uh, there are some things in there that I can appreciate what they were trying to do. Mm. But then they just go totally off the rails with some of the story elements. Like there's some really cool aspects that they just throw away. So there's so much I can think immediately that I'd like to change. You need more of this, less of this. Yeah. Stuff to stay is really the slide, <laughs> the slide mechanic. Oh, that actually is amazing. Yeah. Okay. The ability for Leon to slide on his ass and shoot zombies with two guns, two dual wielding pistols. Yep. Like you know. <laughs> I love it when he like rolls on his back and you can just like fire roll out the way. It's like bang, 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 wee, bang, bang, wee, wee. Yeah, like, it's really cool. Yeah, cool. just like lying on the ground. Yeah, yeah, that's great. 
In fact, that hasn't made an appearance since. I'm surprised that that didn't come back for the uh, RE4 remake. Mm. But I guess that they're trying to make it so that mobility on your feet is the main aspect of this. We don't want to spend right. half the game with it. Actually, no. Thinking about it, they're all mostly close combat uh, as well. So you'd be so easy to avoid a lot of their attacks just by falling on uh, on your ass all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, the difference yeah. with RE6 is a lot of enemies with guns and stuff, isn't there? So makes I sense. I tell you what I would keep as well. As much as I hate Jack... I Jake <laughs> I keep getting it wrong and I'm doing it I'm pseudo on purpose but not really because I keep forgetting because <laughs> he's that unmemorable as a character Jake sorry um I would keep that apple eating scene you know the one where he like he eats the apple he beats all the people and then he like grabs the apple again and takes a bite out of it yeah I'd fair. keep that scene because if that set a tone that just wasn't for me but at the same time was so over the top and ridiculous that I was like, I've got to give it credit because we are now entering, you, you are literally Dante from Devil May Cry. Like there, there's no way that this isn't something that Dante has done in the past. But yeah, there we go. Those are the things that we would keep untouched about Resident Evil 1, 5 and 6. Thank you, Jay Wright, you absolute ledge. Um, let's go over here to Lobotomizer. Who suggests, Brutal. I know, right? Um, who says, uh, top three candidates to make a AAA John Wick video game? As in, I'm assuming the publishers, right? Or the developers, the developers. would handle that. Or, mm. yeah, it's got to be the developers. I mean, Devolver, 100% would be Great up their shout. street. Yeah. yeah. They're just incredibly over the top and insane with some of the stuff they put out. And I feel like they would do, it wouldn't just be like an action game. It would be a super stylized action game mm. that had like a, an amazing aesthetic that was very different from what we're seeing on the screens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's easy to say someone like, I know their plate's very full, but Insomniac, because it's something oh, yeah. different for their portfolio and they kind of tend to make everything sing at this point. So mm -hmm. like, like, again, also they would have a handle on that stylish aspect, I feel like. And the other one that comes to mind, and this is maybe a shout out, I think this is close to Scott's heart, is yeah. Rockstar back when they made games instead of yeah. uh, GTA Online cosmetic packs and whatever <laughs> they do now. Um, where's, where's my table tennis too? That's <laughs> my ping pong game, bring that back. Yeah, yeah. so, th so th I could see them, Rockstar of old, uh, obviously that definitely mm -hmm. appeals to their, the hyper-violent stuff that they used to do. That would actually be really good because they they've already got an amazing graphic engine they've yeah. like they've pushed the most out of what their team can do in the art department so transcribing that over to chaotic fight scenes would be amazing um who did the development of sleeping dogs because i feel like that's so close to what john wick could be that i feel like that would be a great one i know that square enix published it but i don't know who developed it you vamp, vamp. Well, I quickly look this up. Uh, yes, yeah, though no, that's a good shout actually. And similarly, along that vein, I think it was Two K Check that did the Mafia games. Oh, so, yes, 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 yes. Like, or at least Mafia Two. That would also probably appeal to them. So you've got to think of developers that have handled that sort of thing in the past. I think it's listed as on uh, the Wikipedia page as Feral Interactive, United Front Games, and Square Enix uh, Europe. So uh, I would go for any of those because I tell you what, in terms of fighting, in terms of being able to use a parkour system and lots of like uh, mm. abilities to evade as well as attack, I love that. Oh, I've, I've just completely forgotten one. Um, the people who made uh, Sifu. That's that's the answer. Oh yeah, because is one just one step away from being John Wick, mm. and that art style would look so good in a John Wick thing as well. There, yeah. Oh go. God, I love Sifu. Have you played it through? I've not. I'd say it's on the backlog. Please, please for me, play it. It is 
it was my game of the year every year. I honestly <laughs> loved it that much. It is, uh, without ruining what the tone of the things mm. are there, just the combat mechanics alone mm. in that. It's like the distillation of every single Arkham game, but without the sort of meaty like uh, right. slowness of it. You mm. feel like you are actually flowing from move to move, and the ability to call on little tricks by holding down a button, and then it brings up like a little wheel of special attacks. You can like eye poke people. You can like kick <laughs> them onto the floor. You can trip them up. You can like bash them in the head with a little wooden stick. It is a phenomenal fun. Like if you took it for nothing else other than just a great evening in to play through, because it is fairly short. Mm. It is a well worth I'm, your time. I'm so glad you. That always appeals to me. It is fairly short. Like, yeah, good. I know. I'm I know. So in this day and age. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a live service title. Let's put it that way. Um, I tell you what, we're gonna go straight back in here. Um, from to Justin, this is straight back into the Resident Evil territory. Uh, from Justin, who says, Lovely day, legends of the UBP. I haven't got my hands on the Resident Evil 4 remake, but given that Mercenaries mode isn't being added till next month and Ada's side campaign isn't currently in it, do you think that they will add it later or do you think there'll be other story DLC? Now, the reason I bring this up is because we know the Mercenaries mode is being added and I believe it's as soon as next week somebody was doing the rumour party April, on. April 7th, so yeah, yep. just about a week. Cool, and I cannot wait for that. That should be amazing fun. Um, the DLC, let's face it, separate ways a, a separate way and um, uh, sorry is it separate past i can't remember separate ways called. leon yeah. literally says this is not really a spoiler yeah. leon literally says the words go going our separate ways right at the I end know. To he might as well look into the camera <laughs> and just be like get it get it everyone we guess this was the resident evil 4 all along yeah. plus there's elements within the story that you and i were discussing at length last week where there's a few inconsistencies with it where the second Verdugo, for example, doesn't make an appearance in the boss battle. So where is that? It could show up in a DLC boss. You'd mm. said that there was a cut boss battle. You are 036. You three, it's called. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. UB46 or whatever it is. Yes. Uh, the, the, the band. <laughs> the, uh, and... Um, the island explodes this. yeah the oh. island explodes because it's for no reason it just is like yeah. oh we're all dead now explode it's like i understand sadler's cronies all dying because the main parasite host is gone mm. but at the same time why does that yeah. make things explode <laughs> the island had a giant parasite in it no yeah. it, it's absolutely like i think separate ways existed originally to cover a bunch of holes and uh, make more connections to the wider series so i expect same thing again um, I'm pretty certain that's happening. Yeah. And more to the point, with the remakes for 2 and 3, their DLC didn't... Well, 3 didn't have any DLC whatsoever. 2's was a bunch of what-if scenarios. So they've yes. been very reticent to add big chunks of new story. So just doing separate ways again is mm -hmm. kind of a get-out for that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I fully expect that with Mercenaries, separate ways... And then the VR2 update, whatever that's going to be. Oh, yes, of course. That's a thing that's happening, they've announced. So that's probably your lot for our E4R. I don't expect any new story DLC. I would love it, however, if they expanded on the Mercenaries packs. As in, like, I know that they released uh, for the 3DS the Mercenaries 3D, which was mm. basically a, a collection of all of the maps from across the series, all of yes. the characters, plus some new ones like Barry. I uh, know Barry Burton was in five gold, wasn't he? There's a few new uh, elements and twists on it. And I absolutely loved having all of that collected into one package. I wonder if we'll see... What was the... 
this shows how out of touch I am with the Call of Duty franchise. What was it called? That mode that became its own thing? Warzone? Warzone, Warzone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Warzone. Like Warzone was a was a feature, then became its own game. I hope that the success of Mercenaries will show Capcom that people want to play time attack, score based, like leaderboard focused things. I would love that to become its own standalone thing that uh, that exists outside of all of the remakes and new franchise stuff that they put into it. That would be I... cool. We are awfully close to me going on a rant about Reverse. Do you remember that thing that oh, was Penny Village? No, that will be yes. a circle <laughs> of a drain because that should have been a celebration of Resident Evil's yeah. history and all the maps from different games and stuff, but it absolutely wasn't. Anyway, that is like a other podcast for another day. I feel uh, like that's the but, most condensed rage that you could possibly have put there because it's just uh, it's, disappointing. It's still bubbling, isn't it? it's still bubbling away. Um, <laughs> but. You could absolutely keep updating RE4 Mercenaries with some new maps and characters if they wanted to, if there was a reason to do it, if people were still playing mm -hmm. it. So, yes, it should be expanded, and there's potential for them to keep doing it. So that would be cool. Yeah, chuck some stuff in there from... It's very easy to start to put stuff in there from Village. It'd be nice to do some other stuff Ooh, as well. But you yeah. can absolutely put some Village and RE2 maps or whatever in there. Because that does that. Because obviously they've done a lot of uh, DLC outfits as well at the moment. I wonder mm. if they'll add a few more in right, themes around think... other Resident Evil games. Yes, I think so. Um, our colleague Durkin was quite upset that Leon's RPD outfit is not in the Resident Evil Four remake whatsoever. Yeah. So I wonder if that's coming as part of Mercenaries, maybe. Hopefully. Oh, that would be good. That would be good, especially if they added in the ability to play as some of the other suggested characters that were in there as well. I mean, I would love it if Chris just makes an appearance That'd just cool. as a special thing. It would be nice. It would be yeah. very nice indeed. Why not? Make the merchant playable. That's what I want. Oh, <laughs> oh that would be so good. Imagine, because he would be like, um, he'd be slow. Yep. He would be like, only take one hit to kill, but he'd have all the guns and he'd all the weaponry. He'd have at least one rocket launcher. Yeah. Oh, and he would just like, um, maybe you could do this thing where you get health back by looting the bodies of the people that you've killed. Oh, so, fun, it's a, yeah. so it's like, what are you buying? And then he just goes, <laughs> that would be amazing. I'd love that. Um, let's go for what will potentially be our final question over here. And it's going to come from John Paco, who says, hello, you perfect species. What are your most wished changes and improvements in video games for the future? Mine is better liquid in video games. When characters pour <laughs> liquid from bottles or empties or empties in their glasses, it ruins the scene for me. It looks like the same from the early 2000s. Liquid physics, bring it back. I'm totally on board with that. Yeah, that's one for me, definitely. That's a great shout. I also always notice that with film and TV, when someone's like got a coffee cup, you can tell that it's always empty. Yeah. Dry, yeah. It just drives me wild. Especially when they're getting like really, mo they motion a lot in the scene and you're like, that would spill. That would yeah, spill. No you're, you're worrying me. Put it down. <laughs> I mean, that's such a good one. I'm not sure there is any better answer. Like hair is still certainly something oh, that yeah. needs to be worked on. I mean, it's gotten better, but I still feel like there are... Some developers that can do it better than others. Do you remember there was a, a long period of time, I feel like, where wrestling games and hair was just a nightmare. Oh, I feel like yeah. there was definitely wrestling games where they just, in the creator wrestler, you just couldn't have long hair because they were like, nah, it's not worth it. <laughs> and do you remember when it was uh, Bianca Belair came on the scene for her first game? You could imagine the 2K developers sweating <laughs> bullets because they were right, like, exactly. it's, it's all about hair. That's one of her things that she does. We have to make this look good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if anything's going to force you to uh, develop better hair physics, it's basically realizing the outcry that would happen if you did it wrong. Mm. Um, I mean, I was actually playing through Resident Evil 7 recently, and uh, what's the name of it? Mia's? Mia's, Mia's uh, hair is terrible. It's 
awful. I mean, I, to be fair, I shouldn't be criticising, seeing as I have none of my own. And <laughs> admittedly, she has been locked up. I in, can uh, say in the it. I'm here. It's fine. Yeah, there Everybody you go. knows. Like, like, like your hair is legitimately beautiful. Her Thank hair you. is just needs a wash. It really does. <laughs> like, I'm just like getting the suds out. I'm just like, come here, love. Let's go. Let's, go. let's, let's, let's sort this out for you. Um, but yeah, hair physics definitely need to be sorted out. Liquid ones, as been said. I would say um, having visual damage. I feel like that was introduced with mm. uh, the, the Batman series, where across the night you get more and more beaten up and your armor would get more scrapes, cuts, broken bits. I loved that visual degradation to show that you were actively progressing through time. And I feel like a lot of games just don't do that. I mean, all of the action games that I can think of, it's like I wear a bulletproof vest, I get shot a billion times, and it's still comp completely yeah. in perfect condition come the end of the storyline. It'd get, be nice uh... to see a bit more dirt and grime rhyme on it wouldn't it mm, you get a couple of red marks that fade away after a few seconds like, oh yeah there, there you go my wounds are healed like yeah uh, i don't know about that <laughs> to, to go back to resident evil seeing as it is definitely the theme of this podcast it is quite funny isn't it when leon gets into so many scrapes and he's got like so like, oh i've got a little bruise on my cheek my hair's perfectly fine though even yeah. though the rest of my face is covered in burn marks it's like how have you managed to your hair is like uh he's got with the amount of like hairspray and, and product that he probably puts on, I would have thought that would have been a fire hazard. Yeah, exactly right. No, I it agree. Was... I totally agree about ongoing damage thing. Like, just it seemed like, as you say, that was going to be a thing. There were certainly mm -hmm. games that were playing with that, and it was such a cool, immersive situation that we just went, nah, never mind, moving on. <laughs> and it's like, what? What happened there? I don't know. Video games, the industry is strange like that, isn't it? Everyone, the, every time that something amazing and really innovative that requires just a little bit of extra thought from the developer <laughs> comes along, they're like, that's brilliant. It gets celebrated. Let's not copy that. It's like, <laughs> okay, then bye. Mm. But there we go. That has been the UBP, the UBP, the UBP. Thank you so much, Cy, for joining me here today. And I'm sure that you're going to come on next week's episode as well, because I'm going to try and wrangle both you and Josh in for a UB3. So that should Ooh. be quite a fun one on that side. Um, if you've got the social medias, now's the time to plug it, Cy. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Cyniac underscore one, two, three lovely lovely and you can follow me over on the instagrams twitters wherever else at retro j but the o is a zero and be sure to check out my account size account and josh's account next thursday when we put out the call for questions where we'll be asking for all of your questions video game tv film food related whatever but until then thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you soon bye <laughs>Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.